Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Cowabunga, my dudes of any gender, and welcome to this totally rad episode of Science Factual. This is your host, Reese Hendrick, and I'm super stoked to crank up the turtle power for this week's episode all about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-verse with guest comedian Juan Denmark. We met up before the Arrowwood Comedy Open Mic to talk turtles and life in general. Plus, at the end of this episode, you'll hear Juan's set from this year's Portland's Funniest Person competition, which concluded this past weekend. Who won, you ask? The super funny Shane Brendan. Follow him on Instagram at Shane Brendan, that's S-H-A-I-N, and Brendan with two E's. He also runs an awesome podcast with future guest Seth Allen called Assville, which I highly recommend. You can find them on Instagram by searching for at Assville, just like it sounds. Seth will be joining us for our extra special Halloween episode where we take a dive into everyone's favorite mischief makers, Gremlins. Definitely looking forward to October's lineup and that episode in particular for Halloween. Alright, before we jump into the sewers for this week's facts, I think we just got delivered an extra cheesy... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! With anchovies. Yummy! Even though I won't be spoiling the outright plots of the various iterations of the heroes in Half Shells, aside from a bit of a deeper look at the last Ronin series for this week's water cooler facts, I will be discussing characters and major events, so if you're in the middle of a turtle-thon, you might want to hold off until you've had a chance to ingest most of the turtle-verse before continuing this episode. For everyone else, it's time to break out your nostalgia katanas to cut through these slimy facts. Cause there's a lot to cover. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is an American media franchise created by the comic book artists Ken Eastman and Peter Laird. It follows Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael, four anthropomorphic turtle brothers trained in ninjutsu who fight evil in New York City. Supporting characters include the Turtles' rat sensei Splinter, their human friends April O'Neil and Casey Jones, and enemies such as Baxter Stockman, Krang, and their archenemy, the Shredder. No one opposes the Shredder. The franchise began as a comic book, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which Eastman and Laird conceived as a parody of elements popular in superhero comics at the time. The first issue was published in 1984 by Eastman and Laird's company, Mirage Studios, and was a surprise success. In 1987, Eastman and Laird licensed the characters to Playmates Toys, which developed a line of Turtles action figures. I like turtles! About $1.1 billion of Turtles toys were sold between 1988 and 1992, making them the third best-selling toy figures ever at the time. Getting more into the story itself, uh, in most versions, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are created when four baby turtles are exposed to radioactive ooze, transforming them into humanoids who grew into the teens we know. 
They fight evil in New York City, where they reside in the sewers. As a quick aside, I'd like to mention more about their origins, mainly that in the year 1969, a young boy was carrying four baby turtles home from the pet shop. A blind man was crossing the road when a truck labeled TCRI almost ran him down. A young man behind the boy with the turtles ran out to save the blind man, bumping the boy with the turtles and knocking the jar from his hands. The young man who went to save the old blind man was none other than Matt Murdock, the daredevil from Marvel. Young Matt Murdock was blinded by a radioactive isotope while pushing an old blind man from the path of an oncoming truck. Eastman and Laird extrapolated that after their canister containing that isotope struck Murdock, it collided with a bystander who was carrying a fishbowl containing his pets, four baby turtles. The turtles and the canister, which bore those initials TCRI, which stands for Technocosmic Research Institute, which is a scientific corporation slash evil organization entity from the series, that canister fell down a grate into the sewers below, where they were discovered by an inquisitive rat, Splinter. Splinter had been the pet of the exiled ninja warrior Hamato Yoshi, who was slain along with his lover Tong Shen by the treacherous Oroku Saki, who blamed Yoshi for the death of his brother Oroku Nogi. But we'll get more into that with our water cooler facts in a bit. Of those four turtles, Leonardo the leader is the most disciplined and skilled. An expert swordsman, he wields two katana and wears a blue bandana. Raphael, the strongest and most reckless turtle, wears a red bandana and uses a pair of sai or dagger-like weapons. Donatello uses his intellect to invent gadgets and vehicles. He wears a purple mask and uses a bow staff. Michelangelo is the least disciplined and most fun-loving turtle and is usually portrayed as the most agile. He wears an orange bandana and uses nunchucks. Now, this may be painfully obvious, but all of the turtles are named after famous Italian artists. Why? Well, creators Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman are both art history nerds themselves. And what may be equally painfully obvious is that while turtles can't eat pizza, the fellas' love for pizza was created to reflect their teenage side, as there's no food more closely associated with teenagers than pizza. Pizza power! Additionally, it increases the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles association with their home city of New York. Moving on, we have Splinter, who's a mutant rat. Uh, he's the wise adoptive father of the turtles and teaches them ninjutsu. In some iterations, he was once the pet rat of ninja master Hamato Yoshi, and in others, he's a mutated Yoshi. The turtles are assisted by April O'Neil, who's variously depicted as a news reporter, lab assistant, or genius computer programmer. In most versions, she's pursued romantically by Casey Jones, a hockey mask-wearing vigilante who usually becomes an ally of the turtles. The turtle's nemesis is the Shredder, who leads the criminal ninja clan known as the Foot. His real identity is usually the ninja Oroku Saki. In most versions, the Shredder's second command is Karai, a skilled martial artist. In some iterations, she's the Shredder's daughter. The Shredder allies with Baxter Stockman, a mad scientist, and Krang, an alien warlord. Krang was introduced in the original animated series and was inspired by the Ultram race from the comics. Also created for the series were the Shredder's buffoonish henchmen, Bebop and Rocksteady, a mutant rhinoceros and warthog. <laughs> you're a rhinoceros! And you're a... I don't know what you are! <laughs> Alright, right, let me look, let me look, let me look, I'm a... Oh, I'm a little piggy! The comic book authors Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird met in Massachusetts and began working on illustrations together. In 1983, Laird invited Eastman to move in with him in Dover, New Hampshire. That November, Eastman drew a masked turtle standing on its hind legs armed with nunchucks. Later, Laird added the words Teenage Mutant. The concept parodied several elements popular in superhero comics at the time, largely the mutants of the Uncanny X-Men, 
the teenagers of the New Teen Titans, and the ninjas of Daredevil, combined with the comic tradition of funny animals such as Howard the Duck. In March 1984, Eastman and Laird founded a comic book company, Mirage Studios, in their home. Using money from a tax refund and a loan from Eastman's uncle, they printed copies of the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and advertised it in Comics Buyer's Guide magazine. This attracted the interest of comic distributors, and 3,000 copies were sold in just a matter of weeks. Sales of further issues continued to climb. Aside from the comic books, the Turtles have made appearances in dozens of video games courtesy of Konami, across from major gaming platforms dating from NES on up to mobile and modern consoles today. Also set to be released at the end of this month, on the 30th of August 2022, the Kawabanga collection will be available cross-platform containing 13 of the most popular games throughout the years. There have been five attempts at a long-running television series for the Turtles, most memorably the first animated series, which ran from the year 1987 on through to 1996. That ran all the way through to a fourth animated series that was from 2018 to 2020, called The Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That arc also featured a film finale, which was released on Netflix in August of this year, 2022, as well. The Turtles have also appeared in six feature films. The first of three are live-action features produced in the early 1990s. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze in 1991, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 in 1993. The Turtles are played by various actors in costume featuring animatronic heads initially produced by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Visual effects studio Industrial Light & Magic has also been heavily involved in a number of Turtle productions throughout the years. The fourth film, a CGI animated film titled simply TMNT, was released in 2007. And a reboot, also titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, produced by Platinum Dunes, Nickelodeon Movies, and Paramount Pictures, directed by Jonathan Liebsman, and produced by Michael Bay, was released in 2014. A sequel film titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows was released in 2016. A crossover animated film titled Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was released in 2019. Speaking of crossovers, there have been numerous issues that cross over with the cartoon All-Stars, Transformers, Archie Comics, X-Files, Ghostbusters, Batman, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and Usage Yojimbo to name a few. To say the least, their sewer system gets them around. I'd like to take the time to acknowledge today's sources, which are turtlepedia.fandom.com. Definitely check out that site for a plethora on the Turtleverse, as well as wikipedia.com, of course, because if it's on Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, it must be true. Coming up next, we have an interview with Portland comedian Juan Denmark. We do a little sewer surfing before hitting the Arrowwood Comedy Open Mic, hosted by Brent Lowry and Laughs PDX, every Wednesday at 8.30. Make sure to check out Laughs PDX for updates on the hottest comedy shows and open mics Portland has to offer. How was PFP? PFP was fucking awesome, man. Everybody was good, like, from start to finish. Nice. It was, yeah. it, Ikes was there tonight? Yeah, Ikes was there. He did his set where he's more off the cuff. Okay. He murdered it. I bet. Yeah. Fucking body. He's Fucking body. Not a sleeper the whole time, but, like, he is crushed every time. Well, that, he leans He leans heavily on crowd work. That's yeah, what that's gets, true. That's what gets the crowd engaged. So he knows exactly how to make white people in Portland excited. 
And usually that's just a good aioli. Yeah. <laughs> it gets me excited, too. So. Yeah, well, that's good. Thankful for you allowing me to come on your podcast, bro. Oh, well, thanks for being yeah, here, Juan. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah well, fun. speaking of names, the person who you hear other than myself, this is Juan Denmark, everybody. Yeah, man. That's my government name, so if you would like to search me up and, and uh, attempt my life, that is a possibility. Okay. That's what I did with this comedy stuff. I put my first name and last name on the shit. Okay. Yeah. There's no I, running I, back. It's like I can't even really apply for a job without them looking up my comedic history. That's true. I and I do. I have some. I have a lot of Hitler material out there. Ooh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> I was born where Hitler killed himself. Uh, really? Berlin, Germany. Oh, uh, uh, military family. Yeah, man. Both my parents are in the military. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once I found out that Hitler killed himself where I was born, I was like, well, I have to say this into a microphone. And yeah. That's how we're doing it. And this this is where we are now. Yeah, we're still saying it into microphones. That's true, yeah. We, we're, <laughs> we're sat outside of Arrowwood, Mike. Brent was there, too. Brent fucking killed. Brent fucking killed. Oh, with PFE? Yeah, yeah. He was the first act. That did the bullet on the, on the semifinals, yeah. Oh That's my a, god, he's do, a pro. Do you know how many fucking killers? Oh man, biting the bullet for some killers. Oh, that's and fun. only only three went through. So, did you see what the no, results were? Oh. I'm gonna find out when everybody comes back, all excited or, or not. No, you know, uh, Randall usually puts the results up, yeah. Sweet, um. Uh oh. Oh, this is just now. Oh shit. Let's do it. Breaking news. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see if I'm correct. I'm okay. going to think in my head the names. Okay, now name them. It's not it's not who you think. No, go for it. Okay, we got Jordan Kasner. We've got Sir Lance. My boy Sir Lance and Tory Ward. Which isn't surprising. Dan Weber was on that. Dan Weber was on that. And he had a Brent fucking killer. Fucking uh, Ikes were on. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that was a really tough show. I'm surprised Dan Weber didn't make it. So with those three combined, we have as well Shane Brendan, Jeremiah Coughlin, and Brian Bixby. That's Those are all the finalists. And Noah not, Watson ended the show and murdered, too. I was like, fuck, he might. I was... Damn! I it, thought he was going to sneak in. He was that fucking good. He is good. He's, Dan Noah's, Weber Noah's murdered. Fantastic. Like he was flawless. To me, Dan, yeah. I mean, to me, Dan Weber was flawless. Like absolutely flawless. Well, and I was like, fuck. And it's only six in the finals, right? Fuck. So those are that's that's them. Those are the those are the six so again. The that's, name the, the that's three Shane names? Brendan, Jeremiah uh, Coughlin, and Brian Bixby from last night. Okay, and then tonight. And then tonight it was just posted by Randall uh, Jordan Kastner, Sir Lance, and Tory Ward. Okay, uh, Sir Lance murdered. Tory Tory Ward murdered. And then the finals are this Sunday. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. August August 21st. Yeah. yeah. You're, I was like, shit. I might have to buy a ticket to that. Yeah, well, I'm doing the first live taping of Science Factual with Dylan Jones that night. Sweet. At Fourth Wall, so unfortunately I have to miss it. But I I wish that there was like. A Hopefully you get the live. I want to yeah I want a pay per view. You or need like to live time that it. shit. Yeah. yeah, like so we can catch. Yeah, get get all that in there. We might even take a break at one like an intermission to check in on PFP. So Dude, seriously, cause, yeah. I mean, it's 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 worth checking in yeah, on because yeah. I mean it is literally we're competing for portland's funniest person i mean like it's it's not as subjective as like willamette week's thing where it's like peer-reviewed it's literally audience reviewed which is what i think is cool about the competition but yeah before the show starts they they give off a list of people in the crowd who have some achievements Mm. and the shit that they were naming off i'm like oh this is even bigger than who's the funniest of portland you kill 
you could get another connection that can oh, lead yeah. you in fucking real directions. So oh, big like, time. This yeah, is, yeah. yeah, this is serious, man. Yeah, it's Fuck. big stuff. Good list, though. Good good three that came out, man. Definitely I mean, a solid list. I yeah, mean, it, does, it does contain Portland's funniest people. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a solid-ass list. I support uh, it. Best of luck to them moving forward and on Sunday. Uh, I'll be there in spirit supporting. Yeah, so. same, same. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll try to be there if the tickets aren't fucking bought now. Yeah. Yeah, do you mind cussing? Is that is that permissible? No, no, dude. Uh, okay. cur- curse to your heart's content. Okay, friend. cool. Yeah. Just, you know, airwaves and stuff. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the web radio app, so you get a little bit more freedom there. Sweet, sweet. Are yeah. you big on freedom and autonomy in this in this industry? In this industry, yes. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And in general, yes, uh, but cool, not in, cool. but not like a libertarian <laughs> sense, you know, like not like a don't tread on me kind of shit. I mean, you know, um, there's there's room for both for both opposing opinions. Yeah, that's true. I guess they're not like mutually yeah. exclusive. And they both can be beneficial depending on how you harness the energy. I know yeah, people that, on both that's, sides. That's, that's very great, true. I mean, great dudes. this country wouldn't have been founded without some degree of don't tread on me. Exactly. So I mean, we have to be cognizant of facts, science factual. That's true. I we yep, bring in the factual. Um, so Juan, what's your before we go any further? What's your Instagram? Uh, Juan Denmark. Because I yep. again, I'm, I put my name on just Front point. Street. Hey. Just, just screw me over. That just means that you believe in your comedy, yeah. and I, that makes me believe in you. Damn, I appreciate that. That's yeah. fucking deep. That was a that was a smooth way of being deep, man. Well, Thank hey, you. you're one of the most insightful comics that I know. You've I've seen you on stage like just laying down concepts where people were just like, uh huh. Um, that's all I care <laughs> and about. And I'm back there laughing like, dude, that's hysterical because <laughs> you're tying together multiple things. Like you have to look at it like a layer cake sometimes. I yeah. definitely appreciate your comedy, even though it may go over heads from time to time i want it to go over heads yeah probably more times than not honestly yeah. that that makes it fun for me if it's just hitting right in the middle of people's foreheads it's kind of boring well, like, so long right. as it's fun for you that's that's <laughs> yeah. why i go for the lowest common denominator with dick jokes yeah yeah, yeah. Dick, dick and ethnic jokes that's my that's my wheelhouse <laughs> i mean shit I, I do dick jokes and ethnic jokes too i mean that's it's true we live in we live in our experience you know sometimes mm-hmm. it's like fuck i'm a black comedian shit i don't want to talk about white shit all the time but damn it when i go outside i feel it fuck all right fuck all right i guess i'll talk about it on stage i was doing a bit about how the jewish n-word is negotiate at kelly's and you said from the audience you were like you can say the n-word it's cool and i was like nah, i'm not falling for that one well, come on now <laughs> well, we may have a shared history but i'm not yeah, you know, yeah a like, fucking uh, a hell of a shared history i mean shit I've met some great Jews this year. Some of my favorite Jews. Some good Jews I've met out there this year. Some pretty good Jews Honestly, out there. Honestly, no, great. Like I wasn't aware of the power that you guys held my you, whole life. Honestly. Well, you, you know what's weird? And then I found out Mac Miller's a Jew. I was like, Mac Fuck. Miller's a Jew. My grandma knows his grandma. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. fucking awesome. She lives in or lived at one point in Boca. Yeah, my grandmother lives in Palm Beach. Whoa. Yeah. That's six degrees of separation. Damn. Something six, like that. Six-pointed star. Whoa. Whoa. It's all coming together. <laughs> We're getting that's, too deep, man. Okay, well... Wh- that's deep. Let's... Why don't we switch gears? And, you know, speaking of Jews, you know, S- Splinter... Oh, yeah. Splinter, Splinter was a Jew. Speaking of Splinter, <laughs> I was trying to decide, like, which character I identify with the most, and mm-hmm. I kept all roads led to Splinter. Mm. I like, could see you being, like, a sage Yeah, I want to take care of people, yeah. but, like, teach them shit. Yeah. And then, like... 
you know, pr- a protector of sorts. So it's like sometimes you see things for people that they don't see for themselves, mm. and that's kind of the role that Splinter kind of, kind of. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he t- he takes four misguided, recently genetically mutated turtles and <laughs> forms like, them into some, uh, some a shit. fighting squad. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, so yeah, that is what we're here to talk about, folks. That's is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. It's Turtle Time. Sweet. Let's get into it, man. Let's fucking get I'm, into I'm it. stoked on it. I I grew up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It did come out in '84 in comic book form, but like I I was born in '89. Okay. So 80s like, baby. Yeah. Well, I made the '80s by five days so ostensibly a 90s baby but like yeah at the end of the day i grew up with like the vhs's that were getting cycled out at the time and a lot of that was like the early cartoon stuff like from teenage mutant ninja turtles fucking thundercats gi joe all that kind of shit that you know like would at one point comprise saturday morning cartoons you know like that kind of level of stuff i always gravitated towards the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they're so quirky. Like, it's just so out there. I love street sharks for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, rollerblading sharks. I mean, that's pretty fucking rad. Yeah. Um, you know, Ninja Mutant Turtles. Like, that's... It's a fucking cool concept. Yeah, I was interested. So, I came across Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles through the same media. I mean, cartoons. I was mm-hmm. a kid. Honestly, I didn't grasp the real concept of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles until an adult, like I'm sure most people are. Man, how they put medicine in the candy is what mm-hmm. I realized as I'm looking back and like reviewing the history of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm like, so many parallels to the reality of life we live in today can be pushed and compared to this to this show that I grew up on. Oh, so yeah, it's very prescient in that respect. Also, they've developed things within the Turtleverse, is what I've been calling it, or I've seen it been references being called. Also, real quick shout out to Fandom.com. Dude, Fandom.com is one of the most uh, extensive resources that I use. There hasn't been an episode, basically, that I haven't at least touched on it to, like, confirm information for. So, if folks, if you're looking to nerd out and really get into that full shell, get all up in it. Get again to fandom.com. You know, they really dive into the Ronin series as well. And we were talking about that a little bit earlier because, like, I love how they made an adult version of it. Even though there are adult themes and morals that get dealt with in the comic books and the cartoon series at large... Not necessarily the 90s movie, because it's a little bit more just, like, slapstickish. Like, it has that Mario Brothers 90s movie feel, um, which... Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's definitely a vibe, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I didn't particularly grow up watching or being even introduced to Ronin. Um, you actually it's, helped bring that light to me. It's, so. it's a newer it's a newer production, yeah. So, but when I watched it, I mean, you, you say grown up, and I agree. I also see it as the mutated version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it's totally. like... Very meta. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shows what the world's going to be like in the future. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be large embankments. There's going to be much higher population. Robocops was even introduced in this, in this series. I was totally. Like, also, it has death really for the, I mean, Michelangelo is the only one that has survived through and he, he tried to take his life, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and he learns all of their styles, not only for survival, but part of his character development because he was the most happy go lucky one of them, if you will, or like, Raphael was a little bit more hard-headed, but also I, I would say like you know, Michelangelo needed the most growing up to do, and you definitely see that in like the complete 180 with his character in the series, which I definitely want to read again. It's just hard to find 
online, and I, I hate to read comic books online because I want to support writers and the and the right. you know the artists and uh, and people. Everyone has their own interpretation of the mm. comic, so it's like you may get a dead-on, accurate depiction from one person's um, recollection, and then you may also get a skewed version on the other way. So it's like depending on who you listen to, you may even be ill-informed. Yeah, when you're when you're talking about it, so you got to yeah. put that legwork in for sure. And I, yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, it's you know, and I think that's why comic books are so popular, even though it is a visual medium. Like, you know, they're still open to so much interpretation. That's why I love to read. You know, yeah. like I, I have that this other segment with Noah Lentz called the Book Report, where we nice. read a, a book once a month, and or at least we try to. I'm reading multiple books a month uh, because of my new job. I have a lot of downtime, but Sweet. Um, yeah, I've, I've been reading a lot of like Philip K. Dick and stuff like that, and reading other people's interpretations of popular works has always fascinated me. Also with fanfic, there's a lot of fanfic with tmnt as well mm-hmm. not to mention crossovers like crazy crossovers mm-hmm. there's ones with the power rangers there's yeah. like a whole i don't know how many uh, uh issues but there are quite a few as well as batman i mean you know so there's a lot going on uh, not to say that tmnt is a dc property but it's mm-hmm. cool to see crossovers in that respect see how expansive something can become because tmnt fucking hit the ground running hard got <laughs> got popular immediately Within, like, the first three years of it being released just as a comic book, they did over a billion in toy sales. Jesus. Sometimes you I get the jackpot, man. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's why that's why creators just have to continue to create and be confident within their works because you never know when that day comes where... It's true. The the transition from the earlier TMNT to, to the Ronin, mm-hmm. how did you see the plot um, develop between both series like how does it make you feel how do you feel taking that information into your your actual life yeah i i feel like i'm reading something more like a batman story arc i'm, I'm trying to think of a good oh so like, so like okay, a classic so protagonist and antagonist there is that aspect of it in the original comic books but it's more playful right you know That's like yeah there's hardly any comic relief in ronin so it's in that respect it is like a pure hunter hunted kind of thing as opposed to oh we're the squad that fucks up the bad guys you know Mm -hmm. like and we're just gonna like chill out and eat pizza and you know like sometimes we'll face a lot of adversity but we always come out of it in the end right this one is like no this is real life this (laughs) is what could potentially happen and like did happen and you know, yeah. sh- sh- and shit happens. You know? Yeah, like, that's so. what—that's the thing that drew me in so quickly. Because I was like, "Fuck!" I'm so happy you brought Ronan up for for us to talk about because I'm like, "Damn, this hits home." Well, and it's as an adult, it's so beautifully drawn, and the artistry is amazing, and it gives that noir feel yeah. as well. You know, there, there's nothing kitty about it. That's what I like about the varying art across time because you know we're it what was it 1984 so mm-hmm. we're in the 20- interesting year that yeah. it was put out too given the book that's 1984 which kind of goes back to surveillance and mm-hmm. just the overbearing power of state sure well and you see someone like like character like april o'neill when she's a reporter you know like she's a company right. woman you know and but then once she realizes that there's more to the story than just like these random vigilantes like and what their origins are, she kind of flips the script and is like, oh, well, I don't want to operate within this kind of corporate structure. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be of assistance to, like, what could be actually effective in society, not just 
another mechanism that perpetuates the same status quo. Right. That you know what's funny is with with science fiction, I always used to look at it as it was something that was like not attainable or uh, applicable to real life. But sure. as I actually grew into it, I had to grow into it. I realized, oh shit, this is just like any nonfiction. It's just characters with names and uh, weird exteriors. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, scene and setting oftentimes, uh, you know, separates the reader from the potential link to their own reality. So I, I've definitely heard and experienced that myself. Um, well, let, let me ask you this: What is your first exposure to science fiction? I'd probably say sci-fi. I remember hearing the, those oh, songs, like, uh, like the the television. Yeah, like channel? the old school, like like the black and white film that used to play on. Um, I don't even remember the name of the the, the 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 channel, but it used to play science fiction all the time. Like, okay, it would have the vampire old vampire movies that play and talk about serial killers on this on this entire channel. Okay, um, that was the first time that I started being interested in the science world and things that were supernatural. That, okay. That's when my eye awoke into it. Probably like three to five, somewhere around there. Well, what about pure science fiction? Because, I, it, you know, not to be a stickler, but to me, vampires are more fantasy. Mm. So, yeah, I... Why do you say that? Their origin is more based out of, like, religious and historical lore as opposed to something that's based out of, you know, future technology or something that is of extraterrestrial origin. Hmm. You know what I mean? So No. Okay, so I'll, I'll put it this way. I would consider Frankenstein science fiction. Okay. Because he's using technology and lightning and all this other stuff to try to reanimate a corpse. Right, right. Yeah, so, like, that's literally, like, sci scientifically based. So it has to be an instrumentation that's linked to science for it to be considered science fiction. That certainly is a common element, but it doesn't have to be the case. Okay. But, yeah, typically there's some sort of technology that exists. So when Andrea Menchaca and I did Stepford Wives, you wouldn't necessarily think of Stepford Wives as a science fiction movie because it doesn't have, like, spaceships and aliens and stuff right. like that. But they are creating android humanoids mm. you know, to replace their wives. And that piece of technology is inherently science fiction therefore i would categorize it in some degree as a science fiction comedy you know okay. what i mean okay so for me i would i always linked science fiction with things that were outside of my reality okay not necessarily a consensus reality so vampires to me always had some weird element of like uh maybe a, a weird grade of mercury that was that was existing in the universe that may have possessed someone okay if and if that and if that is the origin like yeah. if it's an if, if it's like a meteorite that came to earth and like it had this radioactive mercury that was turning people into vampires i can definitely see that yeah because do you feel like things are connected this universe in itself is connected what our base reality like the, yeah our, yeah oh well yes i yeah I okay do, okay cool sure. cool because, I mean, in that sense... Okay, so I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The Exorcist, fantasy. Ghostbusters, science fiction. Mm. They both deal with the supernatural, but it's the way that that supernatural aspect is being dealt with in a larger context. Mm. Exorcist is religious, demons, fantasy, ghosts kind of shit. And Ghostbusters is a group of goofballs with, yeah, okay. you know, like vacuum cleaners that shoot out ectoplasm 
that you know like they use technology to try to you know mitigate their ghost problem okay um, <laughs> well yeah okay cool cool i mean okay i feel interpretation is is big when it comes to the science science fiction world but that i would say that at least put my mind in the realm to accept things that were even beyond that that was like my opening yeah. introduction to extra shit yeah abso- absolutely yeah so i like, went from regular shit to seeing science fiction like elements and then going oh wow this is cool what's cooler than this you know so science fiction is defined as fiction dealing principally with the impact or actual or imagined science on society or individuals or having a scientific factor as an essential orienting component that's a very broad definition so yeah absolutely because i mean blood yeah like it, it yep it depends on how they deal with it like if you look at it in a in the sense of nosferatu that i would call more fantasy because there's no scientific component to his origin it's just mm. he's this ghoul that appears mm. but if you're talking about blade or oh what's that one with anna paquin i feel like every example has a, some form of parody is that is that the is that the common denominator I wouldn't call them parodies as much as, like, a compare and contrast example set because, you know, like, Naked Gun 33 and a half is a parody of 007. Okay. Like, it's parody typically in, infers a comedic aspect. Yeah, okay. Dude, this is... I, no, I like no, it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm here to learn. I yeah, mean, dude, like, I'm, and I'm Because I'm, I'm glad you pulled up the definition because, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely different ways that people view art and everyone, I think, projects their own feelings onto art yeah and so and so yeah i mean definitions are here for a reason thanks yeah fuck let's learn some shit yeah definitely so yeah because i i mean, I, yeah. I mean I, you know at the end of the day i like to think that i know what science fiction is but i can't remember the last time that i looked up its definition <laughs> outside of conceptualizing this show yeah you know what i mean like almost a year ago so it's like it's good for me to remind myself (laughs) because like i said when when andrea first came to me with stepford wives i was like uh is that (laughs) science fiction and then after reading the synopsis again i was like yeah sure enough got fucking robots yeah sweet so at what point because i mean that's what the ronin series was kind of harking on was that robots were Mm -hmm. starting to take over for primary roles and they said in even a, a combative a combative standpoint one of the robots even had human flesh when the mask was ripped off mm. so at what point are robots viewed kin to humans will that change the definition of science fiction bringing it to be science factual <laughs> all right <laughs> we'll we can end right here <laughs> i don't even know if i'm gonna go to the mic after that one no um that's an interesting question yeah, I think it has to do a lot with society's perception of, like, sentience and sovereignty for androids or robots or artificial intelligence, whatever combination lies there within. And it's something that we're already starting to look at with the, you know, development of different robotics, you know. Yeah, and, like, and what's science fiction to robots? Like, when their mind starts to actually do what our mind does to some degree... And they start enjoying art for their own leisure. What would be science fiction for them? Sure, us, um, our lives of reality TV. Well, or just obtaining the biochemical status of being a human. Oh, and I, I mean, you know, to some larger degree, that's what Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation deals with, like his desire to become human, even though he is, you know, he 
has hyper strength and compute and store more you know information than humans can like he's superior in all these different ways but the desire to attain humanity is his driving factor so does it come full circle you know like yeah what is science fiction to a robot because you know a lot of things that were considered to be unattainable through science fiction have since come to pass you know like bluetooth cell phones you know you name it anything lights even the the thought of like holding light into a fixture and being able to control it was science fiction a long time ago yeah i mean 200 years ago yeah shit yeah that's an excellent question and i I think that ronin takes that next step into exploring more science fiction realm you know because for the longest time they relied on their foundation being from like a a radioactive exposure Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think it does, because there have been different renditions of the turtles. I'm sure there's like, you know, tech turtles where they had, you know, different weaponry or, you know, like electronic based stuff or, you know, spy craft items and shit like that. <laughs> because there, there is so much in the turtle verse, like there's a lot going on there. So bringing it back to TMNT, who is your favorite character in the series out of Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo? Leonardo. Yeah. Cool. Cool, yeah. calm, collected, yeah. good dude. Everyone kind of attracts to him. That's just the kind of role I play out. Just my favorite is who I ever identify with, man. So totally. I mean, with Leonardo, it's like he's he's here to protect, but he's also not going out of his way to go too crazy with the power. Sure, yeah, that doesn't seem to be the driving, you know, force behind him. That's yeah. true. Do you have a favorite character? It's that's kind of a loaded question because <laughs> when I when I was a kid, Michelangelo was my favorite because I was kind of a class clown. I wasn't very disciplined as I grew up. I would put myself more in like a Donatello range, but I don't want to be that stick in the mud. You know what I mean? Like I just, we need that. That's, that's just that's like true. the yeah. treadmill shit. It's the same. Yeah. We all, we need every energy to, to build. That's true. That's true. And well, you have, and they have their own unique personalities. And then of course, splinter, you know, keeping it all together. There's a lot of room in the, Turtleverse for a reboot into like an actual series. I would love to see. Oh my goodness! The yeah. Ronin television series. Uh, More human, or just keep it keep it still in the cartoon realm. I have the Ronin uh, fandom page up right here, mm-hmm. and I would love to see it somewhat like this. And folks, I'll I'll put the picture up of what I'm showing. Oh hell at. yeah! Yeah, but maybe a little bit toiter. Or do you want like, it to be more of a, on the on the horror side? Like, oh yeah. yeah, 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 oh yeah. yeah. Okay, well then, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But I would, man, I, I, feel I like wanted, it, would, it would make a stronger impact as a movie, as a motion picture film in theaters. Have you seen the Netflix Daredevil? Mm-mm. Okay, I would love to see the people behind that do a mm-hmm. TMNT reboot. Nice, because uh, it certainly is deserving of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now that they've switched over kind of plots and... To a more noir kind of man, feel. I mean, yeah, at this I'm, moment I'm in time, given the shit that we're going through modern day, yeah. with people feeling their, the ways they feel about overpopulation, with the government control, with mass surveillance, like, this literally would would hit probably the same type of hit that it got in 84. It's, I mean, honestly, you're, which is, no, you're so right. Yeah. And, and what you throw in some fake presidential figures who fit the climate and you got, you, you got to smash. Absolutely. Yeah. The media that we come out with speaks to the times. 
you know, like 1984 was like America was the shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're coming out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like now we would have this dark brooding intro for Ronan because like dark times makes dark entertainment. Right. And people would be able historically. to relate because it's more it's more singular. It's like one person's real goal to get to the dude behind all the mass surveillance and the robots. Oh yeah, totally. So I, and like, I, I mean, I can even see like a cloned lineage of Shredder being behind it. You know, being like a businessman type, where you know it's revealed after a meeting or something. He goes into a corner and like. The wall splits and it's his fucking samurai garb in the wall. It's just like bump, 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 bump. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, no, I do. It's it's definitely. How do you feel about the the original members? You know, the the the, the carrying force kind of taking a back seat to the to the mission. Oh, like be, just being like ghost form, basically. Yeah, not really. You, you know, yeah, not being a part. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting how they they provide insight whether it's from Michelangelo's mental perception or through other means, you know, like it shows the character arc completion from Michelangelo as a teenager, if you will, to like a young adult or, or a man mm -hmm. or yeah. a, a, bru a, br a, a bruised and yeah. battered man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't see that same like spark in his eye. It's gone. And you, you kind of see that a little bit of a parallel with Hawkeye mm. in the Avengers series arc. Mm. Speaking of Ronan, that is his uh, alter ego when mm. he, like, everybody's killed from Thanos and he goes on a, like, murdering spree, basically, like, killing all the baddies around the world. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. No, oh, he, he has the same kind of arc where, you know, he's somewhat dead-eyed, you know, like, doesn't have any hope left and is more just, like in it to right a wrong yeah there's no fear you know? yeah there's no yeah there's no fear there's no trepidation but there's also all innocence lost you know like it, so it is such a stark contrast between the two properties that you know like that that's probably the only other arc that i can really think of that's recent in its in that kind of application and i i like that kind of story mm -hmm. because you know, as we grow older and we have to face reality more and more in different and varying and I would say more complex ways, I find my my joy of youth leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's why I do things like comedy, to have a community of people who try to find, like, the funny in things. Oh, of course. So, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the major benefits, I think, you know, from doing or even just watching or having comedy in your life, like... Yeah, I, I, mean, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine not having comedy in my life to some degree for that reason because life is hard, man. It is, and there's there's multiple ways you can handle life, and I prefer to take it in stride. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've all, as comics, as humans, we all go through those feelings where we're questioning our existence. You know, we're on that we're on that path like Ronan. You know, where it's like, got to get to the top of the hill. You got to get past all the stuff that's waning on you, but choose to keep fighting no matter what and, and putting, putting your life on the line for yeah, it. Yeah, true. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we are doing every yeah. day, whether you like to admit it to yourself <laughs> or not. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, because mental health is part of survival. That's for certain. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but life is a little bit easier with pizza. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Okay. Do well, agree. what is your favorite kind of pizza, Juan Denmark? 
And that's a two name wow, kind of question. That's such a that's such a heavy weighted. That's probably yeah. the hard. This is probably the hardest topic we've talked about since we've been on this podcast. It's true. Wow. I mean, I enjoy a really solid pepperoni pizza. Okay. With absolute shreddings of pepper all down that motherfucker. Oh, okay. Um, all right. I love. Yeah. Do you have Do you have a, a favorite here in Portland? Like. Hot Lips versus Bellagio's versus you know Schmitza versus Schmitz is dope. Schmitz is dope because it feels like you're you know you're in a bar. You're, sure. you're getting fucked up and you're, you're ordering pizza. I love that feeling always. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, I ate Domino's pizza and it fucked me up so bad. Yeah, it's understandable. That, like, I take my time with with pizza spots now. I gotta like okay. really walk in. Yeah. So I've done like the Dante's Mike. You know, sometimes a grimy, shitty place for pizza is great. You know, yeah, for yeah, me, that's true. At least. Yeah, I've um, yeah. It's nice when you go to Dante's. You get a donut. Well, you get a donut, <laughs> a drink, and a slice of pizza. Yeah, if you're a yeah. comic, I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's my pizza intake right now from Portland. When it, when is Dante's again? Thursday. Man. Thursday is at like four thirty, right? Yeah, yeah like, four four thirty. Yeah. Great nice. place, man. So, how long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy for eighteen months. Shit. Yeah. So what? Do you incorporate science factual with your with your material sometimes, or do you keep those things separate? I keep them separate. Um, you know, I had a mind to write material about science factual, but at the end of the day, it is just a lot of research and yeah. interviewing. There's not a lot that goes on outside of that, um, yeah. you know, like anecdotally. So, I mean, there's just so many correlations between real life and the events that go on it's like man that morph and comedy could be magnificent i mean i don't know too many comedians who who, who incorporate both like that yeah that's true and i mean the fact that i interview comedians you would think that i, I would have more of a mind to write material on it you know I, I i'm i feel like i'm slow moving in writing material that's okay yeah that's okay yeah everybody works at their own pace yeah, yeah. i need to unlock that mindset you know, like to look for it because if I'm not looking for the funny, sometimes it, you know, like oh, yeah. goes over my head or I don't necessarily think to write about it until either the time has passed or I can't really put it in a way other than you should have been there, which is never funny. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, it's, right. ne- it's never, never a funny thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, let, let me ask you one final important question. Let's do it. Is pineapple an acceptable pizza topping? Absolutely. I, okay. lived, I lived in Hawaii for four years. Okay. And that that's one thing I do vividly remember is a lot of pineapples. And when you mix pizza and pineapple, it's like a refreshing... It's like putting tomatoes in a salad. I fuck with it. Me too. Yeah. I, Honestly. I, yeah, I like pineapple. It's and like I, a dating profile thing, but yeah. I fucking love pineapples on pizza, bro. I'll have sausage, green pepper, and pineapple. I support all of those. Honestly, yeah. I support the the pizza that has every fucking topping on it. Too. Sure, that's like yeah, like that's the second, or yeah, yeah, where it's just everything. Yeah, whatever you have in the in the cupboards, throw that shit on the pizza. I'm eating this. Anchovies for sure. Anchovies, nice. olives, whatever. I do, I do fuck with anchovies from time yeah. to time, but just a couple though. Yeah, not too much. You yeah. don't want to go crazy. I like, I like to take one in between the crust and just eat the crust that way with the, with the anchovy. That's very original. Okay. I like that. I've never heard anyone tell me that before. Right on. Cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it, it usually gets because I don't encounter them too often. They're not yeah. as much of a staple as they used to be. Yeah. What happened to anchovies? That's the real question. I don't know, man. I think they they went the way of plastic. 
Well, or just, I mean, you know, not enough people were, it's a supply and demand thing. So what's your upcoming comedy schedule, Juan? Right now, I am an open mic comedian okay. who gets random Facebook messages for, for comic shows. So right now, I'm just touching everywhere, making sure my voice is heard. Nice. Hopefully making some sort of impact. Hopefully people don't look at me as a ticking time bomb. And they give me $10 to talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, well, I don't look at you as that. <laughs> I mean, if, any, if anything, you're, you're ticking down to wisdom. So, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, hey, I, I thank you for meeting up with me and talking turtles, talking Ronin. It was definitely fun. How about we go hit this Arrowwood mic? Let's do it. Cool, man. Thank you. Sweet. Thanks again, Juan, for meeting up for some turtle time. Make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to catch Juan delivering the funny at Helium Comedy Club right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. By the by, since Portland's Funniest Person competition has crowned a new champion, the weekly comedy open mic will be starting back up soon there on Tuesdays, so make sure to check in on the Helium PDX webpage for more info on that. We just talked a lot about the last Ronin series, and for good reason. It's super awesome. So for this week's water cooler facts, I figured a more in-depth look is required to appreciate just how dark this five-part comic book series really is when compared to the rest of the canon. I know we got a nice cheesy spoiler alert delivered earlier, yes with the anchovies, but I wanted to reheat a slice of that before we get into this particular story. Pizza power! So without waiting for that to cool off, Here's a quick overview and synopsis of The Last Ronin Story. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin is a five-issue miniseries published by IDW Publishing on October 28, 2020. The story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Tom Waltz, and Andy Kuhn with art from Kuhn and Ben Bates. Despite being published by IDW, it is unconnected to their continuity. The issues include number one, which is Wish for Death, number two, First to Fall, number three, Fight or Flight, number four, Blood and Snow, and number five, The Last Ronin. And for the sake of mystery, I'm not going to get into the synopsis of each of those, just the overarching story. Michelangelo is the lone survivor of an extermination attempt by current Foot Clan link Oraku Hiroto, the grandson of Oraku Saki and bastard son of Karai. When Michelangelo decides it's time for Hiroto to pay for what he's done, Michelangelo scales the walls to the foot-controlled New York City and infiltrates the zone. He steals a motorcycle belonging to a young woman called Jones and rides it as far as he can into Hiroto's compound, then crashes it into a tanker truck to create a distraction. While fighting off a cycloptic mouser, he crashes out of the building and is badly injured. Jones shows up and deliberately points the foot in the wrong direction, following the injured Michelangelo into the sewer, where he's preparing seppuku, which is a ritualistic form of suicide. Michelangelo passes out from blood loss, but not before Jones recognizes him as a mutant turtle. He dreams of being back at home with his brothers, but he wakes up in a hospital bed overseen by April O'Neil. In the last run in number one, Mikey finds out that April has been living in their lair with this Jones woman who's actually her and Casey's daughter, Casey Marie. Michelangelo had assumed that April had died in the explosion that killed Casey and Leonardo, but she survived and it literally just cost her an arm and a leg, which you find out about in the last run in number two. Here's that major spoiler alert. Uh, Michelangelo is killed in the last run in number five, but not before he succeeds in killing Hiroto. 
he reunites with his father, brothers, and Casey in the afterlife. There is a relatively happy ending after all, regardless as to how dark the rest of the series is. If you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin and need more stories set in the Ronin-verse timeline, you're in luck. IDW announced The Last Ronin The Lost Years, a new five-issue miniseries kicking off this November in 2022. Definitely looking forward to that. Skull and Crossbones! What's most appealing to readers about The Last Ronin series is that it takes a much darker approach to an otherwise lighter series. A more adult version that has grown up along with the original readers to envelop a more dystopian and dare I say accurate depiction of the world we live in today. Allegorically, of course. Seriously, if you have the opportunity to check out the Ronin comics, do yourself a favor and scoop a copy of each issue. They're worth it for the art alone, not to mention the superb story arc. If you're a comic book nerd and want to increase your collection, check out my buddy Mr. Sims on Whatnot for weekly shows on Mondays and Fridays where he's got the new new, insane variants, and high-grade slabs available for incredible pricing. Make sure to follow him and Mrs. Sims on Instagram at sims underscore guy underscore comics for updates on stock and showtimes. That's Sims with one M. Next week's episode has been 65 million years in the making, folks. That's right, life found a way and we're finally taking a trip to Jurassic Park with guest comedian Dylan Jones. This episode is a special one because we recorded live at the 4th Wall PDX, which is an awesome venue, along with Sound and Vision's Michael Garcia. I had such a fun time interviewing Dylan, riffing on the movie itself, breaking down dino influence on pop culture, as well as some actual scientific insights into genetic manipulation. Not to mention all the cereal that a growing boy could eat. Major thanks to Cassie at 4th Wall for being super awesome and hospitable. You can catch that episode airing Tuesday, August 30th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Hey, did you know that the Shady Pines Radio app provides community-driven content 24-7 for free? Download the app today for iOS and Android. And if you're feeling extra cool, you can donate to the Shady Pines Radio Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and first dibs on tickets to events. Before we head back to the surface for more za, how's about this hilarious set from Juan Denmark? Enjoy. He put extra anchovies on it. Portland white people, what's up? How are you guys feeling today? It's hot as shit outside. I got two quick things to tell you guys before I tell you my name again. Everyone is a cuck. And spray tan is the only acceptable black face, all right? That's the only acceptable black face. 
My name is Juan. I go by every single fucking pronoun because I'm tired of arguing with liberals. <laughs> I served 10 years in the military. Boo! <laughs> Serving in the military and living in Portland is like having an STD. You don't tell your partner until after you have sex with them. You see, I'm scared because there's so many liars out here, so I keep condoms at all times. Does anybody want condoms for their penis? I have ones for black penises and I have ones for white penises. Oh, abortion's still legal here. Never mind. You guys don't care about condoms. I'm from Manassas, Virginia. Do you guys know anything about Manassas, Virginia? No. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> One of the most powerful white women of all time came from Manassas, Virginia. You know who that is? Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm transracial now. I'm fucking white. I'm officially the most powerful white man of all time. Give it up for Juan Denmark, the most powerful white man of all time. That's real shit, that's real shit. Not Oprah. <laughs> close, close, this is a close second. Lorena Bobbitt, all right? Do you guys know, you guys know about Lorena Bobbitt? All right, she's a mathematician. She figured out that men have two brains and they only need one for survival. So she went to the kitchen and grabbed scissors and got the fucking job done, all right? I've got another thing to tell you guys that will make you hate me. I'm sorry, guys, in advance. When I was five years old, my dad sat me down and said, son, you're royalty, all right? You're transracial. <laughs> No, he didn't say that. He said something worse. You're related to Clarence Thomas. Ooh, ooh, kill this guy. I think out of the five black people you don't want to be related to in 2022, I'm pretty sure Clarence Thomas made that list. Can we all agree? All right, cool. I would name the other four, but there's way too many white people in here to get you guys that excited. Where's Lorena Bobbitt at when you need her, right? We need to cut some dicks off. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun with you guys today. All right. So I was in this state, Virginia, right? Virginia, if you know nothing about Virginia, it's like if Alabama and Mississippi sold their trailer homes, <laughs> bought a library, and then actually read the books in the library, all right? Educated racists, okay? I wasn't educated when I lived there, so they had the one-up on me. I was smoking weed, because that's what I like to do on my free time. Yeah, give it up for weed. I was smoking weed with a white woman. Get up for white women, goodness gracious. In a dead end, all right? In a dead end. So you can do two of those three things in Virginia, but if you do all three and you look like me, G. Williger's buddy, G. Williger's. You see, when the cops pull up, I can't tell them I'm transracial. That didn't work. It only works right now. The cop pulls up, 
He illegally searches me because I'm not educated at that time, people. He finds marijuana in the vehicle, Jesus Christ. Before he put those cuffs on these weak wrists, the white woman jumped up and said, that's my weed, officer. Give me the charge. So give it up for white women who take the charge. <laughs> now, you can judge me. I don't give a fuck, all right? I gave that white woman unlimited N-word passes for the rest of her life. <laughs> unlimited. If she was here right now, she could... Never mind. <laughs> my final joke of the night, people my best joke, all right? This is the best joke I've ever written in my entire life. The Supreme Court. Hey. Hey.